Welcome back to the Let's Call It Nothing podcast, where we discuss all things fangirl. We are back today after a short little hiatus to continue our discussion of the Akotar series, A Court of Thorns and Roses series by Sarah J. Moss. And we are picking up with book three, A Court of Wings and Druin, the conclusion book to Feyre and Reese's story. It is the conclusion to their story. That's all I'm saying. Yes. Thank you for confirming that for me who doesn't know anything. Well, <laughs> everyone dies. Yes. No. Well, yes. <laughs> Character assassination uh, does has to be happen. Ruined. Character assassination does happen in the following well, books. I mean, war, what things happen. Death. <laughs> yeah. Destruction. Someone does die. Never see it coming except we told you, so you'll see I mean, it coming. Even without that, that's still not that shocking. <laughs> All right. So, as we followed off last uh, from the last book, if you don't remember, Tamlin was a narcissistic prick and locked Farah in his mansion in the Spring Court. High Lord of the Night Court. Reese stole her away. Farrah slowly started to realize what a good person Reese was and fell in love with him. Oh, and there's an impending war because the King of Hybern planned to destroy the wall, make humans his slaves, and rule over all of fairies. Reese and Farrah realized they were mates, and they won't let you forget it. Oh, no. I've got a word count going on. Tamlin made a deal with the King of Highburn in order to get Farrah back. Highburn turned Farrah's sisters, Nesta and Elaine, immortal. He planned to kill Reese's inner circle. Highburn tortured Asriel and Cassian. Farrah pretended Reese had been brainwashing her the whole time, and she left with Tamlin. Through Reese's perspective, we find out he and Farrah were officially mated, and Pharaoh was now the High Lady of the Night Court. Tamlin now had a spy of the enemy living in his home. Got a spy on the inside. And it's Pharaoh. And it's Pharaoh. <laughs> you knock me down, I get the f- back up again. Y'all, that's like my fave. Love him. From Hamilton to relate to Pharaoh. <laughs> okay, so we start off with a little preface as i like to call it that's wrong y'all it's a preface but me reading twilight as a little 12 year old and we've said preface ever since like prologe i kind of forgot how it was said because then you kept saying it like that and i was like no (laughs) is that how it's said (laughs) i'm gonna mandala back to you (laughs) always been preface (laughs) it's always been whichever one spread the word people Okay, so this preface, wait, wait, that was the wrong preface, (laughs) is through Reese's perspective, and it says two years before the wall. And I'm going to read the whole ass thing. The buzzing flies and screaming survivors had long since replaced the beating war drums. The killing field was now a tangled sprawl of corpses, human and fairy alike, interrupted only by broken wings jutting toward the gray sky or the occasional bulk of felled horse. With the heat, despite the heavy cloud cover, the smell would soon be unbearable. Flies already crawled, along eyes gazing unblinkingly upward. They didn't differentiate, I cannot say that word, between mortal and immortal flesh. I picked my way across the once grassy plain, marking the banners half burnt, buried half buried and mud and gore it took most of my lingering strength to keep my wings from dragging over the corpse and armor my own power had been depleted well before the carnage had stopped i'd spent the final hours fighting as the mortals behind me had 
with sword and fist and brute, unrelenting focus. We'd held the lines against Ribinia's legions, hour after hour. It doesn't matter. We'd held the lines. <laughs> we held the lines as I had been ordered to do for my father, as I knew I must do. To falter here would have been the killing blow to our already sundering resistance. The keep looming at my back was too valuable to be yielded to the loyalists with a capital L. Not just for its location in the heart of the continent, but for the supplies it guarded. For the forages and smoldered day and night on its western side, toiling to stock our forces. The smoke of those forges now blended with pyres, already being kindled behind me as I kept walking, scanning the faces of the dead. I made a note to dispatch any soldiers who could stomach it to claim weapons from either army. We needed them too desperately to bother with honor, especially since the other side did not bother with it at all. So still, the battlefield was still... Was so still. Sarah. <laughs> Sarah Jane. Compared with the slaughter and chaos that had finally halted years ago, the Loyalists with a capital L army <laughs> had retreated rather than surrender, leaving their dead for the crows. I edged around a falling bay, gelding. The beautiful beast eyes, still wide with terror, flies crusting its bloody flank. Ew. The rider was twisted beneath the man's head, partially severed. Not from a sword blow. No, those brut- brutal gashes were claws. Y'all, I've read this before twice, and it's just reading it out loud to something different. They wouldn't yield easily. The kingdoms and territories that wanted their human slaves would not lose this war unless they had no other choice. And even then, dot, 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 we learned the hard way very early on that they had no regard for the ancient rules and rights of battle. And for the fey territories that fought beside mortal warriors dot 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 we were to be stomped out like vermin i waved away a fly that buzzed in my ear my hand caked with blood both my own and foreign i'd always thought that death would be some sort of peaceful homecoming a sweet sad lullaby to usher me into whatever awaited afterwards i crushed down with an armored boot on the flagpole of a loyalist standard bearer loyalist capital l sorry smearing red mud across the tusk boar embroidered on its emerald flag I now wondered if the lullaby of death was not a lovely song, but the droning of flies. If flies and maggots were all death's handmaidens. I like that line. The battlefield stretched toward the horizon in every direction, save the keep at my back. Three days we had held them off. Three days we had fought and died here. But we held the lines again and again. I'd rallied human and fairy and refused to let the loyalists with a capital L break through. Even then, they'd hammered our vulnerable right flank with fresh troops on the second day i'd use my power until it was nothing but smoke in my veins and then i'd use illyrian training until the swinging of my shield and sword was all i knew all i could manage against the hordes a half-shredded illyrian wing jutted from a cluster of high fake corpses as it had taken all six of them to bring the warrior down as if he'd taken them all out with him my heartbeat pondered through my battered body as I hauled away the piled corpses. Reinforcements had arrived at dawn on the third and final day, sent by my father after my plea for aid. I had been too lost in the battle rage to note who they were beyond an Illyrian unit, especially when so many have been wielding siphons. But in the hours since they saved our asses and turned the tide of the battle, I had not spotted either of my brothers amongst the living. Did not know if Cassian or Azrael had even fought in the plain. The latter was unlikely as my father kept him close for spying but cassian dot 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 cassian could have been reassigned re- reassigned i wouldn't have put it past my father to shift cassian's unit to a unit more likely to be slaughtered as this one had been barely half limping off the battlefield earlier my aching bloody fingers dug into the dented armor and clammy still flesh as i heaved away the last of the high fake corpses piled atop the fallen Illyrian soldiers <laughs> I'm trying so hard. I'm sweating. 
<laughs> the dark hair, the golden brown skin, the same as Cassian's, but it was not Cassian's death gray face that gaped at the sky. My breath whooshed from me. My lungs still raw from a rain. My lips still dry and chapped. I needed water badly. But nearby, another set of Illyrian wings poked up from the piled death. I stumbled and lurched toward it, letting my mind drift someplace dark and quiet while I righted the twisted neck to peer at the face beneath the simple helm. Not him. I picked my way through the corpses to another Illyrian, then another, and another. Some I knew, some I didn't. Still the killing build stretched onward under the sky. Mile after mile, a kingdom of the rotten dead. And it still, I looked. I'm sweating right now. And Peyton's falling asleep. <laughs> Why did we read that? Sorry. That was the longest preface I've ever had to read. Oh, that's pretty long. When I first said it, I was like, oh, it's not that long. Like, it's a- It's just a lot. What? It's just a lot. And I... I understand why it's there. I don't like that it's there, but I understand why it's there because it's to show Reese has been through this yeah. before. This war thing is nothing new. He has watched his people die. And he does not want that to happen again. Mm-hmm. Like, he, you know, the best outcome possible. Yeah. And this is the moment when I had said, oh, I'm becoming a fantasy girly again. I'm reaching my fantasy era. And I read this preface and nothing went into my brain. It was like, like I would say in one ear, out the other, but I wasn't listening to it. Just yeah, even read she was in one eye out the other. I don't know. And I was like, I'm not, it's not bad at all, but I'm just, I was like, we are getting into a war book and I better hang tight and find yeah. something to look forward to. This is not Mist and Fury, yeah. is what I'm saying. It's not Mist and Fury. Yeah. It is my third favorite of the four books, but. Oh, because Tam first one. Of course. I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> took me a minute. Um, I don't like Akatar. So the next is. Part one, Princess of Carrion. And uh, I have to say, I noticed this while doing the notes that the parts, uh, unlike uh, in uh, Mist and Fury, where it was where she was located, or like the houses she was in and stuff like that, the parts are actually uh, her titles. So Princess of Carrion is what the books calls her in the last one, which is Princess of Corch. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so we're starting off with chapter one. We're back at it. Feyre's hanging out happily. Feyre <laughs> uh, painted a picture of the spring court. The painting, however, was the beautiful lie they pretended to be. Okay, this is from the book. If I'd painted the glimpse into the court the way my gut had urged me, it would have been flesh-shredding thorns, flowers that choked off the sunlight, or any plants smaller than them, and rolling hills stained red. But each brushstroke on the wide canvas was calculated. Each dab and swirl of blending colors meant to portray not just idealistic spring... Wait, idyllic spring, but a sunny disposition as well. Not too happy, but gladly, finally healing from the horrors I carefully divulge. That's good. I like it. Yeah, I like it too. I like a Picasso. Picasso, I like it. (laughs) She explained the painting was much like her pretending to be perfect, when in reality, both were far more deadly. Okay, Feyre, okay. (laughs) Every time Feyre looked at the people she had surrounded herself with in the spring court, she was reminded of those they had hurt and had changed forever. Elaine, Nesta, Cassium. She would get her revenge for all of them. The thought made her burn a paintbrush with her powers. She hid the evidence and considered burning the entire place to ashes when she finished her task, starting with the roses. She felt two men drawing closer. She pretended to be deep in thought and painting when Tamlin and Lucian entered the room. Tamlin told her they had scheduled a meeting with Ianthe and that Farah might want to be prepared for. Farah was shocked that Ianthe seemed so willing to meet after everything that had happened with Highburn. Yeah, you mean Ianthe selling out Farah's sister? Yeah, what? the bitch she is. <laughs> 
Ianthea's the Dolores Umbridge. Yeah, she's the one. She is. Where you're just like, like I can't wait until you get caught. (laughs) There's so many people like that too. Lucian told Farah that Ianthea wanted to explain herself. Farah went to her new room because the other one had been destroyed. I love how your annotation supplies cute. I know. I got a really great friend that gave me a lot of annotation supplies that are kind of jealous. Amazing. (laughs) Shattered furniture, shredded bedding, clothes thrown about as if he'd gone looking for me inside the armoire. No one, it seemed, had been allowed to clean, but it was the vines and thorn the thorns that had made it unlivable. My old bedroom had been overrun with them. They curved and slithered all, all over the walls, entwined themselves amongst the debris, as if they crawled off the trellises beneath my windows, as if a hundred years had passed and not months. The bedroom was now a tomb. She is so poetic about uh, destruction. Can't come to the phone right now because she's dead. Like, um, please, <laughs> why? Of the death of her old self. No. Why didn't uh, they clean that up? Tamlin was like, "Don't step in there." Yeah, but why would Tamlin be like, "Don't step in there"? To see, like, he destroyed her room, didn't he? Yeah. To see how like upset he could get, because he doesn't try to be like this monster around his court yeah so to keep on this persona and pretend like it doesn't bother him i don't know it's like they have the power to fix that and he refuses okay they didn't clean it up so that it could be in this book okay <laughs> i know but like there's gotta be a purpose <laughs> Love to that it. explanation <laughs> there's gotta be a purpose to it there's a purpose to it but what if there was <laughs> are you just saying that sjm no is there's there? definitely a purpose this is very intentional i don't know do you, you don't like my explanation? I don't know. No, I don't. I didn't say I don't like your explanation. I'm just asking You're questions. Searching for another one, so you don't like. It. No, I'm just questioning. Uh, I'm just asking questions to ask questions because I thought it was interesting, and I don't really have a solid opinion myself. But reading that preface really turned you into so sober right now. Just a bitch. Reba, do you have opinions on this? I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to hurt feelings. No bullshit around about that. That was the warning she gave us before we started. <laughs> I'm the biggest proponent of it right now. <laughs> but no, I wonder if Tamlin is either doing this, A, because he's ashamed of himself and doing this to like remind himself of what a sh- because hurt people hurt people mm-hmm. and he's a hurt person so obviously he's probably trying to remind himself oh i can do bad things like you know i need to not necessarily keep it in check because he never keeps it in check or yeah. but maybe it's to remind himself or it's a warning to Farah when she comes back because he always expected her to come back so i think it's more of a oh look what i did because you left me it's another one of those manipulation tactics like do you see how distraught i was over your leaving that's why like tamla is such a complex character because part of me is like he's so misunderstood he doesn't understand himself and then part of it's like tamlin you manipulative bitch bastard, like yeah. you absolute bastard like bay how dare you but also like there are moments where i'm just like the way that he grew up i'm not justifying it but i'm saying it could lead to being you know estranged from yourself and not really knowing who you are Mm -hmm. or like thinking that 
everyone's gonna leave or whatever yeah. like things are gonna work out like I don't know that's why like I would be interested in like Tamlin later on uh-huh. if SJM wrote more and had him in it just to know what, what what's his deal yeah which I guess the fun is discussing what's his deal yeah but yeah Lucian waited for Feyre outside his room which sat across the hall from hers it's very important by the way he wanted to confront Feyre about her calmness towards Ianthe he had been the only only one to see through Farah's charade, but kept up with it in the hopes of finding Elaine. Farah kept playing innocent as they argued over Ianthe's intentions. Lucian opposed Ianthe while Farah insisted that she'd hear her out. Yeah, she did this horrible things, but let's hear what she has to say about it. I mean, it's just funny because she knows that Lucian thinks he knows something. Yeah. <laughs> and Lucian's like, she's been... She's up to something, but they don't, like, directly communicate that with each other. Mm-mm. And I just, this makes me love, like, their back and forth throughout Oh, this. yeah, it's so fun. Because he's not believed her for a second. Mm-hmm. But she will never give him the satisfaction of knowing that he's yeah. right. And she'll just, like, say these little quips. And he's like, what? What? I saw that. I heard that. Lucian asked Farah where Reese was keeping Elaine. She claimed she didn't know. He told her to write down a list of possible places because he had to find her. My mate. My mate. My mate. Farah told him that the mating bond was purely physical and it made him irrational. Lucian asked if that's what happened between Reese and Farah. Farah said that she didn't want to talk about it. They left to see Ianthe and Farah finally decided how she was going to shred Ianthe into pieces. Ianthe looked the same as ever sporting her pale hood. She told Farah that she was so sorry for everything. She was only doing it to make Farah happy and to protect her alliance with Highbird. <laughs> I did this thing for you. I know it was horrible, but I did it for you, Farah. Like, this is why Tamlin is coming off as manipulative, I think. Partially because of Ianthe. Oh, yeah. It's just And his domino. refusal to do stuff about it when he knows which, not all the things, but some of the things she's doing. <sighs> Yeah. Vera asked why she would ever want her sisters to be turned. Ianthe explained that way she would be with her sisters forever and it also benefited Lucian since Elaine was his mate. She definitely knew that. Yeah. She definitely knew they were mates. Yeah, totally. The whole I just entire want you and your time. sisters to be together. You have such a loving relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bullshit. Absolutely. Lucian snarled at this as, yeah. Ianthe told him that this was her home and she was only looking out for it. She said there was a lot to endure when Highburn came. Tamlin assured them that they would be ready and he had plans to protect his people from casualties. Tamlin then explained that Highburn had decided to move and Jurian would be there at noon tomorrow. Yay. We love Jurian. No, we don't. I don't remember how I feel about Jurian. I have mixed feelings. I don't think I hate him in the end. No, I don't think anybody eats him in the end. Um, but it's hard to remember that when you're reading first. Yeah. Like when you go back to this, you're like, oh, he's such a bastard. But he's like the kind of bastard where like, I kind of like his moments too. Yeah. So he yeah. just says shit. And yeah. I'm like, you're a fun time. <laughs> He's just trying to get a rise out of people. I mean, I don't hate him with this yeah. being my first time reading it. I just yeah. kind of dislike him at the moment. Yeah. All right. Chapter two. Vera had not heard a word about Jurian since the night she was taken from the night court. She knew that he had gone mad from being locked away in Amarantha's ring for 500 years. She thought Tamlin and Lucian surely saw this too. Vera also commented on how unfazed the two were about the cauldron being wielded by the king who was hell-bent on tearing the wall down. Tamlin stuck to his word 
about keeping her included in the meetings. She would be with them when Jurian arrived. The plan was they test where the best place to strike on the wall would be when they gained the cauldron's powers back. The cauldron had been weakened for a short while when it turned Farah's sisters immortal. Farah's first objective was to find where they wanted to strike the wall and at what point they believed the cauldron to be ready. She would then tell Reese all of this information. She had only spoken to Reese once, shortly after she arrived at the spring court. She told him that she was well, that she would tell him what she knew in time, and asked if everyone was alive. Reese responded that he loved her, and everyone was healing and alive. After a fitful sleep, <laughs> Farah went with Tamlin and Lucian to meet Jurian. There's a lot in names. <laughs> there is. Tamlin, Lucian, Jurian, yep. Reese, and, and <laughs> Cassian. <laughs> As real. <laughs> He's a little bit off. He was named after an angel. Hey, Leon Tarquin. <laughs> yep. We like them in names. Peyton. Okay. <laughs> Caitlin. Reba. <laughs> Reba Ann. We're there. Reba Ann. Reba Ann. Okay. Never mind the middle name and your middle name, but... <laughs> okay. Back to this. Jurian arrived with two other fae, a male and a female. He introduced the two as King Hybron's niece and nephew, Princess Branna and Prince Dagden, which is the dumbest f***ing name I've ever heard in my life. I hate that name. I never I remember. can't wait till I get to read both of them. <laughs> I don't like either of them. <laughs> Branna, I don't mind, but like, I mean, I don't like her personally as a character, but I don't mind her name. I could never remember. If you do not know, if you're new here, hi, I'm Peyton. We forgot to introduce ourselves, but I typed the notes here and I didn't remember his name the first time. I didn't remember his name the second time. I never spelled his name right the first time fourth fifth sixth seventh eighth time of writing these notes because dagden is a terrible name dagden dagden i don't even know if that's how you pronounce it but d-a-g-d-a-n stupid like dang damn without the yeah <laughs> anyway that's my rant dang, dang. can't wait till something happens anyway tamlin went to greet them remembering they were his new allies he was read that sentence again tamlin went to greet them remembering they were his new allies he was like oh oh yeah these are supposed to be my friends that like leans into the tamlin being just absolutely clueless to how to be a high lord i think that's it (laughs) i think it's a masculine like he is it's a masculinity problem Uh like he wants to be big and bad and he doesn't know how to be so he's like oh mm-hmm. yeah and then like then he blows his lid and gets upset mm-hmm. it's a little That's bitch boy basically i anthe runs everything <laughs> we're getting there Farah willed herself to stay cool and calm as she boiled quite literally with rage oh yeah farah has got all the uh, i forgot all the powers to all the powers all the high lord's powers. powers so like she is literally like burning and she like wills herself to use her ice powers to cool herself down the royal twins stared at Farah. Tamlin growled a warning. <sighs> Jurian just told him it wasn't every day a war was started over a woman and one with such unique talents. Farah told Jurian that Miriam might not have left him if he had tried to start a war over her. Oh, Burn. this is whenever Jurian was like, I hate you, but I like you. <laughs> Jurian warned her and Farah bit back that he would not threaten her in her own home. I I found that very poignant. Yeah. (laughs) And she did it just so it 
it'd melt Tamlin's yeah. heart a little bit. Farah had chosen her words. Oh, <laughs> whoops. Farah had chosen her words <laughs> carefully in order to prove to Tamlin that she truly thought of this as her home and she still loved him. She is trying to make him just like remember that he loves her and everything mm-hmm. and that he can't live without her and just like stab him in the back. Yep. She thought it would be better for when she completed, completely ruined him and his court. Later that day, Farah observed the twins. She noticed the prince did everything for the princess, from stiffing her wine to making sure that she got the best cut of meat. Farah thought perhaps that they were, I never know how to pronounce this, but is it Daymati? Yeah. <laughs> Daymati. Like, like her. Daymati, which means they're no, like mind readers. I think it's, it might actually be Daymati if it's Latin pronunciation. It's probably Daymati. <laughs> Or however you pronounce it. <laughs> like that. Die. Oh, I'm sorry. It's probably die body. Don't pull s*** around. Get it together. I'm this sorry. is the only way she can stay awake, Caitlin. <laughs> Just making herself giggle. I'm hilarious. That's how I keep myself up every night. Just thinking a joke. You're not. On the way out. <laughs> I was like, where am I? I mean, don't ask me that. I'm right there. I see it. Okay. She kept checking to make sure her mental shields were up. The princess said they would go to the wall tomorrow with Jurian and they would require a few sentries who knew where the holes in the wall were. Vera offered her and Lucian to escort them. Them. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was like, that's super southern. Escort them. <laughs> I'm going to ride horseback. <laughs> you know, they going to get there. They fix and get there. <laughs> that's the problem. Dagden should have been named Bubba. <laughs> Everything would have been fixed. <laughs> I mean, it works out perfectly with his character. He's definitely got that Bubba energy. Hey, sis. I gotta oh. sniff you on. Bubba, Bubba, sure and Brianna. <laughs> Brianna. That's about as southern as you can get. Bubba anyone. and Brianna. Brianna and Bubba. Mm. Brianna. <laughs> I'm gonna need your help over here, sis. Okay, sorry. Them. <laughs> <laughs> Tamlin looked shocked by this, but didn't say anything. I think you skipped. No. <laughs> well, you need to read again because I didn't know what he shocked by. Then Farah offered her and Lucian to escort him. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Tamlin looked shocked by this, but didn't say anything. Farah said they would go after breakfast with a few sentries. This seemed to relax Tamlin a bit. Farrah wondered if he had even heard how she defended the rainbow against creatures like the Ator and how she brutally killed the Ator. And I want to say, Farrah, look, look, look. He doesn't care you killed the Midingard worm in front of him while you were human. He just wants you to be a weak little creature who needs him. We talked about that. Yeah. I like, he found more. He wants the damsel. Yeah, he wants the damsel. Meanwhile, Reese sent you into the Weaver's house just to get to your wedding It was like, I'm all for a fun time. Like, (laughs) let's see if you're strong. Mama said I need a strong woman to handle me. It's you. It's you. Go get get your ring. But don't know what it's about, though. Jurian asked who had crafted Lucian's eye after Amarantha ripped it out. They did not speak of Amarantha at the spring court. Shocker there. 
affair. This was why Farah had wasted away as she did. She was unable to speak of what had happened under the mountain. Farah debated how she was to play this part as a girl who loved Tamlin before Amarantha had snapped her neck. She decided that she would squirm uncomfortably in her seat and stare at the table. Like, every little thing Farah does has to be so calculated. Yeah, because she can't be herself. Because uh-huh. she's perfectly fine now. Mm-hmm. Like, she's well adjusted. Mm-hmm. So, she's like, oh crap, I'm supposed to be scared. I'm supposed to be this, mm-hmm. you know. Lucian explained he had a friend in another court who combined magic with machinery and made him this at a great cost. Jurian asked if his human mate, <clears throat> Elaine might have some competition. He's just baiting him, though. Like. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> Lucian told him not to speak about her. <laughs> don't speak about Elaine. Don't speak about Elaine. Oh, I haven't even said a single word to her, but don't speak about her. Jirian said she has probably already been f***ed by most of the Illyrians, Illyrians by now. Oh, this one I realized, like, Jerrion's such a classy fellow, isn't he? He really is. Tamlin cut in and told him if he was to, no be- if. <laughs> to behave or he's sleeping in the stables with the other beast. I just wanted to get to that part. It just wasn't happening fast enough. You can't do it very eloquently, okay? No, I have to. I wrote these no. notes. Maybe not. Tamlin cut in and told him he was to behave like a guest or sleep in the stables with the other beast. Thank you. Jerrion asked why he should be punished for stating the truth. He had fought. He had to fight alongside the Illyrians during the war. The others had least had the honor of fighting against them. The prince chimed in, saying that they kept the general's wings as trophies. Farah had to will herself not to look at Tamlin, whose father had kept Reese's mother and sister's wings in his study. Farah went searching for them earlier, but couldn't find them. Jerrion told Farah that he and her high lord fought together in the war. Tamlin corrected him saying Reese wasn't her high lord. Jurian said that the rumor was Farrah was sleeping with Reese before she had left the spring court for good. <laughs> Tamlin did his normal warning growl. It was only then Farrah realized what was going on. Jurian was trying to rile them up while the other two tried to enter their minds. Farrah found that they were trying to gain entrance into Tamlin and Lucian's mind. Farrah attacked them mentally and it hurt them almost like a fl- physical blow. Tamlin asked what was going on if Farrah played dumb. Oh, what? Um, what? I'm just sitting oh. here minding my own business. I'm definitely not calculating your demise. So. Definitely not calculating. Inch, square inch of it. Alright, chapter three. The following morning after breakfast, they went to inspect the hole in the wall. Farrah told them this is where she first came through the wall back when she was human. The twins asked about other holes that had formed. Lucian tells them there are three on the border and one on the sea border. They explain they have no use for any that were not on the land. The other two holes were far away, a two days journey, the other a four days journey. Feyre planned for these excursions. She asked if the royals could winnow. Prince said he could, but only could travel a few miles of carrying someone. Feyre simply nodded and walked away. Lucian told her he didn't know what she was planning, but it would lead them into deep trouble. Feyre claimed she wasn't planning anything. When Lucian narrowed his mechanical eye at her, she asked him what exactly he could see with it, and he didn't answer. Feyre went on to say, don't you trust me after all we've been through? Lucian still didn't say a word. 
word. And this is quoted from the book. I busied myself by sorting through my pack until I found the canteen of water. If you'd been alive for the war, I asked him taking a squig, would you have fought on their side or fought for the humans? I would have been part of the human fey alliance, even if your father wasn't, especially if my father wasn't. But Baron had been part of that alliance if I correctly recalled my lessons with Reese all those months ago. And yet here you are, ready to march with Hyrun. I did it for you too, you know. Hold hard words. I went with him to get you back. I never realized what a powerful motivator guilt can be. That day you went away, he said, struggling to avoid that other word left. I beat Tamlin back to the manor, received the message when we were out on the border and raced here, but the only trace of you that was that ring melted between the stones of the parlor. I got rid of it a moment before Tam arrived home to see it. A probing, careful statement of the facts that pointed not toward abduction. They melted it off my finger, I lied. His throat bobbed, but he just shook his head. The sunlight leaking through the forest canopy, setting the ember red of his hair flickering. We sat in silence for minutes from the rustling and murmuring. The royals were finishing up and I braced myself, calculating the words I need to wield without seeming suspicious. I said quietly, thank you for coming to Highburn to get me. Lucian told Feyre he didn't realize it was a trap. Feyre insisted he not let Jurian rile him up. <laughs> Lucian said simply, I know. Feyre asked why Highburn wanted this war so badly. Lucian began to ask Feyre a question, but Jurian interrupted them with the twins in tow. Ianthe waited for them at the stables. Apparently, the first meeting between her and the hybrid ambassadors didn't go as planned. Since the party barely showed any interest in her, she decided to meet them again here. Lucian asked Ianthe what she wanted, and she told him she was planning a party for the twins and Jurian that went with the summer solstice. She now wished to speak to Feyre about planning it. But no, the fact that she, like, stands at the sa- stables to make this grand entrance, and she's like, look at me, and then nothing is I love that. Yeah. No one's watching me. It's basically what happens to her throughout the whole I, first part of the I book. I know. That's why I love the it's whole so first good. part of this, this book. Feyre told her she would meet back with her in an hour. As Feyre and Lucian walked off, Feyre questioned the weird vibe between him and Ianthe. Lucian explained that during Cal and my, Tamlin had refused to perform the rite. Lucian took his place and Ianthe insisted on being the other part of the rite. He begged her not to tell Elaine. I don't think she cares, bro. No, she, she really does. <laughs> Elaine. Not at all. Lucian. He's like, I do it all for Elaine, my mate who I've never spoken to before. And Elaine's like, who? Uh, He did. He did. He did speak to her. He said, you're my mate. And then then Nesta said. She never spoke back. She didn't because she was freaking out. She could have the shrillest voice and he would never know. Nesta just went. Honestly, oh, no, you're not. And that. that was the end of the conversation. Don't tell Elaine. Please, please, please. They were like, okay. Feyre wondered why she had forgotten about the event of Cal and Mai. Then she realized it was the same time she and Reese were in the cabin performing a rite of their own. Oh, chicken wow wow. <laughs> I read that and I was like, ew. She did ask. She was like, I wonder if uh, we made a little magic that night too. And I'm like, Feyre, <laughs> no made, We made the mountain shake a little bit. Vera <laughs> hmm. told Lucian she wished she would have been there to stop it, knowing how uncomfortable Ianthe made him. Lucian said that Vera was a better friend to him than he had ever been to her. Facts. I love that too. I do too. I, I'm glad know, he realizes it. I have such trouble with Lucian because there's parts where I'm like, oh, Lucian, stop it. And then there's other times like, oh, Lucian. He's an oh, poor baby character for me where I'm like, oh, poor baby. He is that character. I mean, I'm also like, Oh, poor baby, you being so stupid. It's the, bless your heart. Yeah, Yeah, bless your heart. Oh, honey. Yeah, it's that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We get more Southern in this episode. (laughs) We get more Southern. We got Bubba and we got, bless your heart. We got more Southern in this episode than we ever did on Beautiful Creatures. Creatures. (laughs) And that's hilarious. 
Alice looked over the dresses and told Farah that they had taken them in so much that they would need to buy new ones. If you don't remember Alice, Alice was the uh, essential maid mm-hmm. character, the Mrs. Yeah. Potts character, if you will, <gasps> yes. um, from the first book, who helped her get to Under the Mountain, mm-hmm. who was always really nice to Farah. Well, no, I shouldn't say it that way, because she wasn't really Majority nice. Majority of the time after the beginning, she, was, she had her reasons. She didn't take crap, but she also helped her out mm-hmm. considerably. But anyway, that was that's Alice in a nutshell. Alice analyzed Farah, noticing the extreme difference between the last time she was at the spring court. Farah had gained her weight back, added muscle, and was now tan, a stark difference from the pale, emaciated ghost she used to be. I love that word, emaciated. I added that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Which, according to the story Farah had given them, made no sense. Why would Reese torture her but feed her well and take her outside to exercise? Yeah, it's the one thing that she doesn't have control of over her whole facade that she's putting on. She's like, I gotta pretend like I'm so traumatized, but also I I just naturally look like I'm doing okay. (laughs) Meanwhile, the only excuse you could be with that is forced labor. uh, Even still, you would still probably But she, like, looks like she's taken care of. Yeah. Meanwhile, Tamlin's a dumb bitch, so it doesn't really matter because he hasn't noticed. Mm -hmm. No. (laughs) He also hasn't seen enough of her to make any big notices. Yeah. We'll get to that, too. Let see what? Maybe her chest, neck, face, and her arms? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they stared at each other for a few moments, but didn't say a word. Feyre had been lying and spinning tales in the meetings with Hybern's royals, but for some reason, no one saw through her as Alice did. Yeah, because they're all dumb. Yeah. were <laughs> asked about finding gowns for the summer solstice. Alice pointed out she had never cared for those kinds of things before. Feyre said she was allowed to change her mind about what she cared for. Alice pulled out an outfit from the night court and told her she could wear it. Feyre told her she was being cruel. Alice explained Tamlin had destroyed the other two, but this one was in the wrong place. Feyre whispered that she had wished he would have destroyed that outfit too. Quoting from the book. I was there that day, you know, Alice said, folding her spindly arms across her chest. I saw the Morrigan arrive, saw her reach into that cocoon of power and pick you up like a child. I begged her to take you out. My swallow wasn't feigned. I never told him that. Never told any of them. I let them think you'd been abducted, but you clung to her and she was willing to slaughter all of us for what had happened. I don't know why you'd assume that. I tugged the edges of my silk robe tighter around me. Servants talk. And under the mountain, I never heard of or saw Reesend lying a hand on a servant. Guards, Amaranthus cronies, the people he was ordered to kill. Yes, but never the meek. Never those unable to defend themselves. He's a monster. They say you came back different. Came back wrong, a crow's laugh. I never bothered to tell them I think you came back right. Came back right at last. A precipice yawned open before me. Lines. There were lines here. And my survival and that of Prithian depended upon navigating them. I rose from the bed, hands shaking slightly. But then Alice said, My cousin works in the palace at Adriata, Summer Court. Alice had originally been from the Summer Court and had fled here with her two yep nephews after her sister had been brutally murdered during Amarantha's reign. Servants in that palace are not meant to be seen or heard, but they see and hear plenty when no one believes they're present. She was my friend. She had helped me at great risk under the mountain, had stood by me in the months after, but if she jeopardized everything, she said you visited and that you were healthy and laughing and happy. It was a lie. He made me act that way. The wobble in my voice didn't take much to summon a knowing crooked smile. If you say so... I do say so. Alice pulled out a dress of creamy white. You never got to wear this one. I had it ordered for after your wedding day. It wasn't exactly bride-like, but rather pure, clean. The kind of gown I'd have resented when I returned from under the mountain, desperate to avoid any comparison to my ruined soul. 
But now I held Alice's stare and wondered which of my plans she deciphered. Alice whispered, I will only say this once. Whatever you plan to do, I beg you leave my boys out of it. Take whatever retribution you desire, but please spare them. I would never, I almost began, but I only shook my head, nodding my brows, utterly confused and distressed. All I want is to settle back into life here, to heal, heal the land of the corruption and darkness spreading across it. Alice seemed to understand it too. She set the dress on the armoire, on the armoire door, airing out the loose, shining skirts. Wear this on solstice, she said quietly. So I did. So I did. Alice also sees right through Pharaoh's bullshit. Yes, she does. Even better than Lucian does. Mm -hmm. Even better than anyone. (laughs) She's like, I know exactly your game. I know what you're up to. Okay, ready for some fun? Yes. (laughs) Let's have some fun. This beat is This is one of my favorite parts, too. Yeah, disco balls. Summer solstice had arrived, and I, Anthony, wanted to perform a ritual. (laughs) A ritual. (laughs) To perform a ritual at sunrise. Farrah came in on a white mare, wearing all white and looking like the picture of innocence and grace. The only color to be found in her was a slight rouge on her cheeks and lips to signify spring after a long winter. She's beauty. She- <sighs> you better watch her or she'll punch you in the face. <laughs> she remembered the last summer solstice, solstice for she and Tamlin had been happy. Tamlin helped her off her horse to walk her to where Ianthe waited at the altar. Farrah wondered if Tamlin was remembering when Reese had saved her from marrying him. Like, I wonder. Hmm. That moment. It was terrifying at the time, but here we are. Farrah looked at Tamlin, but his eyes sat on her empty ring finger. She wondered what he thought of it since Lucian had hid- hidden the evidence of the ring. She almost pitied Tamlin since everyone called on him so much. All the lies about what was truly going on. But everyone had let her suffer in the process just to protect their high lord. Ianthe started the ritual by calling out the darkness and ridding evil on the brightest day of the year. Farrah knew this was a slight to Reese, but nodded in agreement. Ianthe called for the twins to come take part in the ritual by drinking wine. Farrah had told Ianthe while they were planning that the twins found her useless and would stomp out any power she had when they came back. Ianthe was now trying to convince them of her usefulness. Gosh, girl... The twins went out, followed by Jurian and Tamlin. Feyre and Lucian were the only ones left. A crowd stood around them, maintaining a distance. <laughs> As the light was about to come down, Ianthe made a grand show of making herself into the beacon of light, waiting for the sun to bless her with his rays. Only, it didn't. The light hit Feyre instead, making her seem almost angelic in her fully white gown everyone gasped in awe some saying things like curse breaker another saying bless blessed <laughs> hashtag blessed i anthe was the last to notice <laughs> she's just sitting there she's just standing there <laughs> with eyes her closed, eyes closed palms raised just like bless me now everyone shall see how powerful and wonderful i am she's waiting for all the whispers about her and, then- and she like opens one eye and she's yeah. like well sh- <laughs> what's going on here <laughs> that bitch again Farah had moved Ianthe's place marker before the ceremony with a phantom one while everyone was watching her grand entrance. <laughs> I just love how it's not even like the light chose her. <laughs> it's like she just did a little tweak. Yeah. Farah used the little of the Dawn Court's power to add to the shine. She feigned surprise. <gasps> Ianthe scrambled to gain control. <laughs> 
Love it. She's like one of those girls in like my super sweet 16 who's like, what about me? Yeah. Feyre looked over to Lucian, his eyes, her eyes pleading for help as she reached out a hand to him. Oh, Lucian. Lucian took it, went down on one knee and pressed her hand to his brow. Everyone else soon followed. Feyre smiled over to my <laughs> Ianthe had never been blessed by the cauldron, but Feyre Cursebreaker, who had saved them all from tyranny, had. Soon, the festivities returned to normal. Ianthe had to spend hours trying to spin the situation to her advantage. She's like, yeah, it's crazy how that happened. I don't know. She told anyone who would listen that the cauldron had blessed her friend. Yeah, her friend. The sun had moved its direction just to show how glad it was of Feyre's safe return. <laughs> Tamlin had seemed the most concerned about the morning's events. He worried it might possibly upset Feyre. What does that mean? Who knows? <laughs> like, oh no, she got attention. She doesn't like attention. Oh no. Basically, yes. <laughs> He's probably like, I am he's gonna kick her ass. <laughs> Something's not gonna end well. Farrah wandered off for a little bit to mentally tell Reese that she missed him. She asked him if everyone is all right. He told her as well as they could be and asked when she would be back home. Farrah said it would be soon. Hybrant's people were here now. Reese reminded her he missed her. Goodness. Farrah went and asked Tamlin to dance with her. He seemed surprised by this, but agreed. When Tamlin asked Farrah if she was all right after the morning's events, she said she was, but she wanted to know if Ianthe was upset. Yeah, there's the feigned concern that we all know. Tamlin said while she was surprised, she would just have to get over it. They continued dancing, Feyre hating every second of their bodies touching, but she powered through. She wondered how Reese had done it for 50 years. Tamlin told Feyre that she looked beautiful. Feyre asked about him not taking part in the rite on Kalamai. Tamlin told her he couldn't stomach it. Feyre thought of how he couldn't stomach that, but he could tolerate getting in the metaphorical bed with Hyburn. Burn, girl, burn. Feyre told him that today might have been his blessing, too. <laughs> they didn't say another word to each other for three dances. Feyre wished to ask him if he was happy ruining his people and lands just to get her back, but she didn't. Mm -hmm. Chapter 5. Feyre asked Lucian to escort her back to the manor a little after midnight. She was sure to leave Lucian's door open before going into her room, her own room, and shutting her door. Farrah put on her skimpiest nightgown and rolled around in her sheets. She got me on this part, too. You didn't know what was going on? I had no clue. <laughs> oh, I did. <laughs> like, she, oh no, she's having a nightmare. She imagined all the horrible things that had happened to her. She let those memories consume her, and then she cried out. She got out of her bed and ran over to Lucian's room. On the other side of the threshold stood him, half naked, having heard her. Farrah hugged him, explaining she had a nightmare. I had a nightmare. He attempted to comfort her, saying over and over, I'm sorry. There, there. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I could just see the awkward. <laughs> she looked into <laughs> his eye. <laughs> <laughs> she looked into his eye. <laughs> I wrote it, looked into his eyes, yeah. and then I was like, oh, wait. He only got one. Then the two were interrupted as Tamlin approached, asking what was going on. <laughs> she looked towards his eye sockets. <laughs> Tamlin just co Tamlin casually comes by. What, what's going on? No, he was like, <laughs> what's going on? Farrah and Lucian jumped away from each other. Farrah explained simply that she had a nightmare as she ushered Tamlin away from Lucian's room. His claws were half drawn. <laughs> was she like, 
I had a nightmare. Or was she like, I had a nightmare. No, it was the, I had a nightmare. <laughs> I had a nightmare. But that's like all she says at first. And yeah. she's like, bye, Lucian. <laughs> she's like, bye. And then closed you did your job. the door bye. shut to her room. <laughs> she bid him a quick goodnight and closed her door. <laughs> all she tells Tamlin in this moment after he just like stomps over is, I had a nightmare. And then she just slams her door. Good night. I see it as her sitting in her doorway. She goes, I had a nightmare and slam. <laughs> it's like, I had a nightmare. I saw out Lucian over you um there you go all right here's the explanation of why she did this i wonder if Lucian pieced it together that i had known tamlin would come to my room tonight after i'd given him so many shy touches and glances today that i had changed into my most indecent nightgown not for the heat but but so that when my invisible stairs in the house informed me that tamlin had finally worked up the nerve to come to my bedroom i'd look the part a feigned nightmare, the evidence set into place with my thrash sheets. I'd left Lucian's door open, with him too distracted, unsuspecting of why I'd really be there to bother sh- to shut it, or notice the shield of hard air I'd placed around the room so that he wouldn't hear or scent Tamlin as he arrived. Until Tamlin saw us there, limbs intertwined, my nightgown askew, staring at each other so intently, so full of emotion, that we'd either just been starting or finishing up that we didn't even notice until Tamlin was right there and that invisible shield vanished before he could sense it a nightmare I told Tamlin I was the nightmare (laughs) praying on what Tamlin had feared for my very first days here I had not forgotten that long ago fight he'd picked with Lucian the warning he'd given him to stop flirting with me to stay away the fear that I'd preferred the red-haired lord over him and that it would threaten every plan he had back off he'd told Lucian I had no doubt Tamlin was now running through every look and conversation since then. Every time Lucian had intervened on my behalf, both under the mountain and afterward, weighing how much that new mating bond with Elaine held sway over his friend. Considering how this very morning Lucian had knelt before me swearing fealty to a newborn god as if we had both been cauldron blessed. I let myself smile for a long moment longer, then dressed. There was more work to do. I love how Farah. it's kind of like her, her villainous monologue. Oh, it definitely like is. over, like, commentary over the scene. Where yeah. She, where, like, you see this moment, and it's like she's acting all innocently, and she's like, I was the nightmare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did this and this and this. I love how this it's always, this, like, this. right after, too. Like, yeah. you don't hear it initially, and you're like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, There's another part in here. Like, you said you didn't get that. I got what was going on then. This next part, I was like, what's going on here? And then it was like, oh, yeah. And also, <laughs> like, it mentions it briefly about Tamlin being like, oh, Lucian's after my gal and everything. And I'm yeah. like, if you were friends with Lucian, you would know that he is obsessed with Elaine. Like, he's always like, Elaine, 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 Elaine. Tamlin is so selfish. He doesn't, he's not actually yeah. friends with anybody. That's why Lucian needs to leave his ass. Agreed. All right, chapter six. <laughs> Go on. Throw some two feet. No, it was a look towards me because it, uh, the insanity. Enough. Chapter six. A set of keys went missing, but Tamla was too focused on the events that had transpired the night before. Everyone sat quiet at the breakfast table. Lucian kept his distance from Feyre and not even looking in her direction. Tam Bam is so, like, in his head about Feyre and Lucian that he's not like, oh keys went missing. missing maybe i should worry about that yesterday was kind of a big deal 
There's a lot of people on the grounds. <clears throat> anyway, this is the section where I was like, I don't know what's going on yet, but I find out. Mayra was tempted to ask Jurian outright if he had stolen the keys, but she enjoyed the peace and quiet. Then Ianthe burst into the room. <laughs> like she always does. Eyes and shine. Also, if you don't know, my in my imagination, uh, Ianthe is played by Piper CJ, the TikToker that wrote uh, that one book. Two books. She wrote two books, but A Night in Its Moon, that one. I know yeah. of this person, but I've never seen them, so... I don't know why, but I always picture she looks like, that's what Ianthe looks like. I don't know. I guess it's the long blonde hair, but. Oh, no. I automatically assume that, too. Uh, but what, no, what I was thinking about is, what is her entrance song? She pops in. What's her entrance song? I don't know. I don't give her an entrance song because I I think of the presence. Like, I think of all the light shining and all the, like, flowy robes. It's like and, the Imperial Market. Yeah. <laughs> There's something to make her feel important. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> She told Tamlin that there was an important matter she needed to discuss with him alone. Quick, I need to talk to you, Tamlin. Feyre knew this was a power move to show the hybrid royals she had importance and sway here. <laughs> it's so funny. I love this part, too. Feyre told her that she should trust the royals with her matters since we were willing to go to war alongside them. <laughs> well, I'm... I- we trust them in the war. Why can't you just, you know, spill it right here? Yeah. We're all just sipping some tea. Ianthe didn't even bother to look at Feyre, but she considered that her refusal to indulge would prove an insult. So she explained to the group the land was dying around her temple. <laughs> like, the grass is not green anymore around <laughs> my temple. The grass is not green anymore. And they're like, that was what was so important. You had to call Tamlin away. Which is why that was followed with Brenna saying for her to call a gardener and Dagdan snickering. <laughs> Kublinsus. Boba. <laughs> Ianthe thought this to be proof of a blight on the land. She explained that it was probably the Naga planning an attack. They were considered this to be Ianthe's attempt to get the attention back on her. Uh-huh. She wanted to gain back her control after the incident on Solstice the day before. Feyre found this to be clever. Too bad Aethi's move played right into Feyre's hands. As it always does. Mm. She got really good. <laughs> Feyre then suggested that it really was an issue for Gartner, but if the issue persisted, she would help her look into it when they got back from the wall. Aethi asked Tamlin if he was going to. Before he could respond, Feyre said no, he wasn't. <laughs> I think he's busy. <laughs> right, 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 babe. You got some plans? What was so, what's so funny about this is that not only now is I the, the manipulative bitch, but Fair is also playing the manipulative bitch. So it's just like Tamlin's there as the dumb himbo. He's yeah. just like, not even a himbo because, I mean, at this point, eh. But like, he's just the pawn. It's the ping pong match look, the yeah. back and forth. Uh, sure. When your women are fighting <laughs> about you and you're like, ah. Tamlin, however, argued that he should go. Feyre insisted she would be fine. Putting a mental shield up against everyone was wearing her out, and she was hoping for a bit of a reprieve on the excursion. It's also kind of a callback to him telling her that she couldn't come along with him. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, you can't come this time, so sorry. Ianthe asked about the possibility of the night court coming back. Feyre pretended to be scared and asked if there had been any news about this. Jurian said it would be stupid for Reese to show up, and Ianthe suggested that Tamlin give Reese back his family's wings. Tamlin followed this up, saying he had burned them a long time ago. Feyre once again insisted she would be fine on the trip and not to fall back into old habits. As far as Tamlin <laughs> burning the wings, too, doesn't she, like, kind of question, like, his intentions there? Like, it was the guilt or... I don't think she cares at this point what his intentions were. I thought there were. was a little follow-up. Not, like, for his sake, before like... 
Reese's mm. closure. Yeah. Yeah, because she does mention, like, he does look a bit sorrowful or mm-hmm. something. And then, yeah. Because they were friends before this, too, so... Yeah. The crew headed out. The trip was long and took forever with Dagden carrying his sister and Duran. But like how? Think <laughs> you at? When we say carry, does he turn into a horse? I like, mean, these are the questions I have. Winnowing. How do you winnow with people? I don't know. I guess you hold their hand <laughs> and hope they don't get stuck it's in. It's not as fun as flying with people where you just kind of like full body. Just like <laughs> hug them. That will come up later too. It's so much fun. <laughs> As they set up camp and prepare to sleep, Feyre asked Lucian to sleep in her tent. Lucian reminded her that was a bad idea. <laughs> After last night, Feyre. Feyre told him that feeding into Tamlin's paranoia and terror. Oh, God. Yeah. I <laughs> used three. Territorially. I used tier three words. Thank you. Territorialism. Paranoia and territorialism is only going to make it worse. How did Lucian feel after he figured out that she was just using him the night before? Like, I'd be pissed. He never brings it up. This bitch is about to get me murdered. (laughs) Lucian said he thought that was because he and Tamlin had its uh, heat. Her. (laughs) (laughs) This is a different That's a part of it, too. I don't know. Woo, okay. Lucian said he thought this was because Hamlin and her hadn't slept together since she'd been back. Favor claimed that would be too much for her at this point. Quoted from the book, Isn't there some way to get out of this deal with Hyrun? My words were barely louder than the murmuring emmers outside. I'm back. I'm safe. We could find some way around it. No. The king of Hyburn crafted his bargain with Tamlin too cleverly, too clearly. Magic bound them. Magic will strike him if he does not allow Hyburn into these lands. In what way? Kill him? Lucian's sigh ruffled my hair. They're awfully close. Okay. It will- We're in a tent, Rima. I know, but like... <laughs> I don't know dimension sizes of this tent. Usually personer, which is really a one personer. Yeah, tents are always close quarters. Mm-hmm. It would claim his own powers, maybe kill him. Magic is all about balance. It's why he couldn't interfere with your bargain with Ryson. Ryson. Reason. <laughs> Even the person who tries to sever the bargain faces consequences. If he'd kept you here, the magic that bound you to Reese might have come to claim his life as payment for yours. Or the life of someone else he cared about. It's old magic, old and strange. It's why we avoid bargains unless it's necessary. Even the scholars at the day court don't know how it works. Believe me, I've asked. For me, you asked them for me. Yes, I went last summer to inquire about breaking your bargain with Reese. Why didn't you tell me? I... We didn't want to give you false hope, and we didn't dare let Reeson get wind of what we were doing in case he found a way to interfere, to stop it. So Ianthe pushed Hamlet to Highburn instead. He was frantic. The scholars of the day court worked too slowly. I begged him for more time, but you'd already been gone for months. He wanted to act, not wait, despite that letter you sent, because of that letter you sent. I finally told him to go ahead with it after after that day in the forest. I turned onto my back, staring at the sloped ceiling of the tent. How bad was it? I asked quietly. You saw your room. He trashed it. The study, his bedroom. He, he killed the sentries who'd been on guard. After he got the last bit of information from them, he executed them in front of everyone in the manor. My blood chilled. You didn't stop him? I tried. I begged him for mercy. He didn't listen. He couldn't listen. The sentries didn't try to stop him either. They didn't dare. Feyre, he's a high lord. He's a different breed. I wondered if he'd say the same thing if he knew what I was. We were backed into a corner with no options. None. It was either go to war with the Night Corps and Highburn or ally with Highburn. Let them try to stir up trouble and then use that alliance to our own advantage further down the road. What do you mean? I breathed. Lucian realized what he said and hedged. 
We have enemies in every court. Having Hybern's alliance will make them think twice. Liar. Trained, clever liar. I loosed a heaving, sleepy breath. Even if they're now our allies, I mumbered, I still hate them. A snort. Me too. They went to sleep and were woken up by Jurian the next morning, because of course they were. At some point during the night, Farah had rolled over to Lucian's side, not necessarily for the plan, but for warmth. She knew Jurian would tell Tamlin when they got back to the manor. While washing up, Branna had told Farah that she would pick one of Baron's sons too. She said they had fire in their blood and apparently did the nasty like they did too. <laughs> You're welcome. The nasty. Did the nasty. Disgusted by this, rightfully so, Feyre tried not to imagine Elaine being subjected to that fire. Same girl, same. <laughs> exactly. They arrived at the second hole in the wall to find three children of the Blessed on the other side. Maybe it'd make Elaine more interesting. If it got spicy? If it got, if she got spicy, I don't if know. It would give her more than one dimension as a give character. Give her personality? <laughs> Man, <laughs> she was the dom. Lady. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Lady in the streets freaking the sheets. Maybe that's yes. what Elaine needs. That's why I'm on board with Elaine and Tamlin. Not sexually, but just like her being like in charge in the situation and mm-hmm. him being like, that's why. Mm-hmm. With Lucian, it would be fun too, but honey, it ain't going to happen. So. I don't know. I like the pining Lucian. Like I don't. Uh, I do too, but I feel bad for him. I mean, I do too. Not bad as an aw. I wish she loved you too. Bad as an. It ain't gonna happen. Anyways, chapter seven. <laughs> the children of the blessed bowed and started calling out to them, beseeching them to allow them into Prithium. The twins practically salivated over them. Lucian told the group they had no use for them, especially not children. The three were only teenagers. Oh, I finally get to say their names. Renach claimed to the children how pleasant life would be in Prithian. Feyre blocked her from them and told them how they would die in Prithian. She reached into their minds and showed them the horrors that were around, that were over the wall. She insisted that they leave and find a boat to sail to the continent and not come back until the war was over. The children ran away in fear. Bernach looked like she was going to chase after them. Feyre told her if she did, it would mean trouble. Then she sent one of her claws through Branna's mental shield. The twins were pissed, but started back to work. Hi-ho. Hi-ho. <laughs> like, why are they using pickaxes? I don't know what's it's happening. It's funny you say that. We forgot to mention this is allegedly a Snow White retelling. <laughs> Hi-ho. Hi-ho. It's off to work, work we go. Farrah sat by a nearby tree, making sure they didn't go through the wall. Durian thanked Farrah for what she had done. She pretended like she didn't know what he was talking about. So, basically, like, Durian's a human. Her helping out fellow humans... <laughs> Yeah. I was so scared for my life just then. I, I thought you were going to sneeze and I was like, ah. <laughs> No, I like yawned and I wasn't expecting it, so it snorted. I apologize. Wasn't expecting it either. Feyre pretended like she didn't know what he was talking about. It took all day to do whatever they were doing to the wall. Feyre would have asked, but she knew she would be pushing her luck. Later that night, she found herself alone with Jurian in front of the campfire. The twins went to their tent and Lucian went to get some more water. Jiren asked what normally happened if humans entered Prithium. Vera said she wasn't sure, but when Amarantha ruled, there were many evil creatures lurking, so any human likely met a bad end. Jiren told her it was shocking to see them beg to be here after they had fought to free them from slavery. Vera told him he better be careful. Talking like that, he wouldn't sound like Heartburn's pet. A little bitch, I don't know. Jurian denied this and Vera asked him what his motives were. He explained that it was to get revenge on Miriam and Drak. Vera said that was ridiculous. Jurian asked if 
that wasn't the same thing that she was doing. He's got a point there, Farah. Farah told him that she hoped one day to get revenge on Resand for what he did. This is from the book. Mm-hmm. Sure, Jerrion's talking. That's what they all say. When they pretend he's a sadistic murderer, you forget that I knew him in the war. You forget he risked his legion to save Miriam from our enemy's fort. That's how Amarantha captured him, you know. Reese knew it was a trap for Prince Dragon. So, Reese went against orders and marched his whole legion to get Miriam out. For his friend, for my lover, and for that bastard dragon's sake. Reese sacrificed his legion in the process, got all them captured and tortured afterwards. Yet, everyone insists Reese is soulless wicked. But the male I knew was the most decent of them all. Better than that prick prince. You don't lose that quality, no matter the centuries. And Reese was too smart to do anything but have the vilification of his character be a calculated move. And yet, here you are, his mate. The most powerful high lord in the world lost his mate and has not yet come to claim her. Even when she is defenseless in the woods, Jurian chuckled. Perhaps that's because Reason has not lost you at all, but rather unleashed you upon us. <laughs> I had never heard this story, but it seemed so like my mate that I knew the flames between us now smoldered in my eyes. And I said, you love to hear yourself talk, don't you? Highburn will kill all of you, was all Jurian replied. Feyre realized Jurian was wrong. The next morning, Feyre woke up to Lucian putting his hand over her mouth. A second later, she smelled blood. They went to find out what was going on, only to find Jurian saying they were too late. Lucian and Vera found the mutilated corpses of the three children of the Blessed. Twins had hunted them down the night before and brought them back to be killed. Vera covered the biggest part of the bodies with her cloak. She asked Lucian if he thought that Branna and Dagden chased these humans down. Lucian told her they probably weren't used to being denied anything. Vera shut her eyes to try and ground herself. Lucian assured her it wasn't her fault. The twins wanted to send a message by bringing them back over the wall to kill them. Lucian told her that sent a message that they were willing to clean up the royals' messes. Vera suggested they send another message then. I love how this scene is set up, but it's not actually set up this way. I just imagine it this way. Okay. Imagine Feyre and Lucian in the principal's office. Let's go. <laughs> Tamlin was currently lecturing Feyre and Lucian on how they decided to send the message. The two had sent the bogey after the twins while they were bragging about their kills. Tamlin told Lucian how disappointed he was in him and to get out. Feyre asked why he'd expected her to act like this, but not Lucian. <laughs> it's Tam- like, I'm not surprised by you. Tamlin said he, she had a personal connection to humans, while Lucian shouldn't have cared. Farrah told him that loss of life, of any life, human or fey, should be taken seriously. Tamlin roared at Lucian again to get out, and he did. Farrah told him loud enough for everyone to hear that she was just trying to save face since he had whored them out to Highburn just to get her back. That's right, you tell him, Farrah. She kept pushing buttons until Tamlin snapped and his magic threw a table, knocking Farrah into a wall and making her face and neck bleed. Lucian rushed in at the sound and looked to Tamlin in horror and asked what he had done. Oh, this this is a pivotal moment for me. Oh, yeah. Lucian shoved Tamlin out of the way and walked Farah out of the study. Many centuries and others watched the scene play out, including two of Tamlin's favorites, Braun and Hart. Tamlin called out to Farah. She claimed to be fine and apologized for provoking him. No one believed that she what she said. 
Farah said if she were to paint this moment, she would name it a portrait of snares and baiting. Later in the, in the bath, Reese used their mental connection to ask if she was okay. After she said yes, he said she wouldn't, he wouldn't tell her to come home, but he really wished she would. At dinner later, Tamlin apologized and Farah said she forgave him. Lucian, however, refused to look at Tamlin. The next day, Farrah requested to go riding at the same time she knew Braun and Hart were on guard duty. The trip to the third hole in the wall had been postponed, much to, anno- to the annoyance of the twin royals. Tamlin wouldn't have offered to let them go without Farrah. He wouldn't take that away from her after he had hurt her. Tamlin knew that if she were still human, last night would have killed her. She invited Ianthe to help console her about last night's incident. Farrah made sure plenty of courtiers were around as she told Ianthe they were so lucky to have her and Tamlin to keep their lands safe. That night, there was an attack from the Naga. Luckily, they had been warned by Ianthe, who conveniently had a cauldron-blessed vision. Wow. A blood-soaked Tamlin came to assure Farah that they had killed all the Naga, and he uh, had found the keys that had went missing with the Naga. I forgot to add that. The next morning, they were all, the Hybern royals included, in the barracks holding a small trial for the sentry who had been who had been blamed for the Naga's invasion. Okay, so I don't know what my problem is. Apparently, my <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> me- my mental theater only has the budget for a few scenes in the spring court because this does not take place in the barracks like it's supposed to. It takes place in the stables because, you know... I don't know. That's just how my brain works. So that's what happens in my head. (laughs) Caitlin's like, I had no imagination. I don't remember this part. (laughs) Oh, I love this part. Tamlin asked how he could fall asleep on the job last night, especially when he was the one to lose the keys in the first place. Okay, tampon. How how many days later are we paying attention to this? (laughs) Don't get me started. You weren't Um, worried about that. You weren't worried. You were too worried about your whatever she is. Yeah, she doesn't have a, a title. Um, you were too worried about her flirting with what's his face? Your best bro, <sighs> whatever he is to you. <laughs> but now you're gonna be like, oh, fellow century man, you, you didn't pay attention. You fell asleep on the job, and I'm like, you don't even know how to do your job. So, the century had found himself hanging between two posts, not knowing how he had fallen asleep. Farrah knew Tamlin wouldn't let this go lightly, not with the twins looking for weaknesses. Wait, pause. Since this is Snow White, we gotta define the seven dwarfs at one point? It's the High Lords. (laughs) Caitlin's like, damn it. (laughs) I'm sorry. Where were you going with this? Nowhere, evidently. Keep going. (laughs) Are you mad? Caitlin's like, you're ruining the moment. (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) There's seven of them. (laughs) I get it. Okay. She grabbed Lucian's hand, not entirely for show. Ianthe told Tamlin to give the sentry 40 lashes and one more for the cauldron's forgiveness. Ferris slipped into the sentry's mind, making him say Ianthe was the one who stole the keys. Ianthe asked why she would do that if she was the one warning about the Naga attacks. I was the one who told you this was going to happen. Why would I be the one who caused it? Yeah. <laughs> so you remember when Farah thought her plan was clever? This was the plan. She mm-hmm. made the Naga's, Naga attack happen. 
The sentry insisted that he had seen her as he looked at Tamlin pleadingly. She realized the sentry didn't care about the lashes, but rather the possibility of losing his honor. Vera insisted they should hear him out, drawing a few looks of affection from the crowd of the other sentries. Ianthe reminded her that this was not her place. Vera ignored her, though, knowing it would piss her off. Ianthe asked why she would dare believe a lowly sentry over a high priestess. With that, everyone realized Ianthe had been the one responsible for the Naga attack. Vera told Tamlin again that they should hear the sentry out. Tamlin's eyes softened. Branna called it pathetic, and Tamlin, with his very delicate masculinity, didn't want to look pathetic, so he refused to listen to the sentry's side. Farah had played Tamlin and Ianthe perfectly, and they were none the wiser. Ianthe reminded him that the sentry deserved 40 lashes, or 20. I can't remember which one. Farah begged Tamlin to, this, begged Tamlin to listen to the sentry. Tamlin told Braun to put the bit in the sentry's mouth. Braun hesitated for a moment. All of the sentries cast their high lord a look of betrayal. Tamlin had chosen Ianthe over them. And from the book, who had gone over the wall again and again to try to break that curse for him? Who had gladly done it, gladly died, hunted down as those wolves for him? And the wolf I'd failed, Andres, he'd gone willingly too. Tamlin had sent them all over and not all of them had come back. They had gone willingly, yet this, this was his thanks, his gratitude, his trust. But Bron did as commanded, sliding the small piece of wood into the now trembling sentry's mouth. Judging by the barely concealed disdain in the guards' faces, at least, they were aware of what had occurred, or what they believed had occurred. The high priestess had orchestrated his in this entire attack to cast herself as a savior, offering up the reputation of one of their own as the asking price. They had no idea, none, that I'd goaded her into it, pushed and pushed her to reveal just what a snake she was, how little anyone without title meant to her, how Tamlin listened to her without question, to a fault. It wasn't much of an act when I had put my hand to my throat, backing up a step, then another, until Lucian's warmth was against me, and I leaned into him fully. The sentries were sizing up Ianthe, the royals. Tamlin had always been one of them, fought for them. Until now, until Highburn, until he put these foreign monsters before them, until he put a scheming high priestess before them. Tamlin's eyes were on us, on the hand Lucian put on my arm to steady me as he drew back, back the whip. The thunderous crack as it cleaved the air snapped through the barracks, the estate, through the very foundations of the court. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Chapter 9. Ianthe wasn't finished with her show of dominance. Of course not. Of course she is. After the beating ended, she made a show of ushering the Hybern party and Tamlin back to the manor for lunch. Only Farah had stayed behind, tending to the wounded sentry while the healer worked to help him. This is even like a slight calculation on Farah's part. Mm -hmm. Just like making sure people see her. Yeah. Helping out. Which she would do it on her own anyway, but yeah, just but it everybody seeing the... her. Braun and Hart personally escorted Pharaoh back to the manor a few hours later. Pharaoh thanked them each personally, apologizing both for Ianthe's scheming and the unfair punishment of their friend. Pharaoh meant every word of it too, as she couldn't get the sound of whip cracking out of her ears. They told her they were sorry for everything that had happened. 
The next evening, Ianthe informed everyone that she and Tamlin would be joining them for the next excursion to the wall. The twins couldn't care less. Jurian merely winked at Feyre as if he could see her plan unfolding just as she wanted. Alice came into Feyre's rooms as she was packing and brought her another bag since it would be a long trip. Alice motioned for her to sit at the vanity. She brushed Feyre's hair as she explained that once they left, she could go back to the summer court. No, she would go back to the summer court. She told Feyre she wished her well no matter what. Feyre insisted Alice keep from mentioning her because she had been sent a blood ruby after her last dealing with the summer court. Alice told her no matter what, she would always have a friend there. Feyre promised Alice she would always have a friend in her court as well. They both knew which one she referred to. During the trip to the wall, the sentries did not speak to Tamla unless absolutely necessary. They had spied Feyre checking on their wounded friend early this morning. Feyre felt her powers were more of a curse than a gift at this point with all the mental shields she was having to keep up on top of winnowing. She had a constant headache on the journey. She opted to stay in the same tent with Ianthe, pretending it was an attempt to mend the rift between them. Really, it had been to save Lucian from the priestess. Quoted from the book, lying beside Ianthe without sl- slitting her throat was an exercise in patience and control. Felt it. Vera kept thinking about killing her, obviously, but kept remembering her family in the night court. She thought back to the last time she had seen them all bloodied and fighting. She knew she wasn't doing all of this for revenge or personal retribution, but instead for them, for her family, the inner circle, and her sisters who had been wronged by them. When Vera woke, she found her hand under her pillow gripping her knife. She looked over at Anthe and raised the knife. Ianthe woke and immediately saw the knife. She looked to Pharaoh with fear in her eyes. Pharaoh told her, You can never be too careful camping with the enemy. Casually. <laughs> I can just see her with a smile on her I pictured it a lot more serious, but I like that. <laughs> you can never be too careful. <laughs> Ianthe reminded her Hybern was not their enemy. Pharaoh only smiled at her. Sure, yeah. Read between the lines, Ianthe. Sure, Jan. <laughs> sure, Jan. <laughs> sure, Jan. <laughs> Outside, Branna and Dagnan were discussing which hole in the wall to use. Some of these holes. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone yeah. else had left except for Feyre, who sat nearby listening to them. They were told them this one would probably be their best bet, and this got them annoyed with her butting in. Feyre attempted to get them to reveal their hand. Quoted from the book, she laughed, swinging her dark curtain of hair over his shoulder. The cauldron is not for transporting grunt armies. It is for remaking worlds. It is for bringing down this hideous wall and reclaiming what we were. I merely crossed my legs. I'd think that with an army of 10,000, you wouldn't need any magical objects to do your dirty work. Our army is 10 times that, girl, Brenna sneered, and twice that number if you count our allies in Balahan, Montessori, and Rask. 200,000. Mother save us. You've certainly been busy all these years, I surveyed them, utterly nonplussed. Why not strike when Amarantha had the island? The king had not yet found the cauldron, despite years of searching. It served his purposes to let her be an experiment for how we might break these people, and served good as good motivation for our allies on the continent to join us, knowing what would await them. I finished off my apple and chucked the core into the woods. They watched it fly like two hounds tracking a pheasant. So they're all going to converge here? I'm supposed to play hostess to so many soldiers? Our own force will take care of Prithian before uniting with the others. Our commanders are preparing for it as we speak. You must think you stand a shot at losing if you're bothering to use the cauldron to help you win. The cauldron is victory. It will wipe this world clean again. I lifted my brows in irreverent cynicism. And you need this exact spot to unleash it? 
This exact spot, Dagnan said, a hand on the hilt of his sword, exists because a person or object of mighty power passed through it. The cauldron will study the work they've already done and magnify it until the wall collapses entirely. It is a careful, complex process and one I doubt your mortal mind can grasp. Probably, though this mortal mind did manage to solve Amarantha's riddle and destroy her. Okay, first off, that riddle was a hard fairy. You just stupid. I'm sorry, Caitlin. Personal attack. <laughs> Caitlin's like, rude? Rena merely turned back to the wall. Why do you think Hybern let her live for so long in these lands? Better to have someone else do his dirty work. Feyre now had everything she needed. She sent the sentries to fetch her some water so she could make a poultice for her sore bruises. The sentries looked murderous when thinking of what Tamlin had done to her. Feyre readied her third pack so she could leave back to the night court. In the next few days, she would enact her plan. She would go missing, with the sentry having had his mind planted with memories of the Hybern royals attacking her. He would imagine helping her escape as Tamlin refused to do anything about it. Tamlin's fear of risking his alliance would be the final breaking point for the court. Vera loaded up her pack and went into Tamlin's tent to steal his Illyrian fighting knives. Imagine this a lot like the Grinch stealing Christmas. You and me. Like one. just the pack Mr. over his shoulder Grinch. and like sneaking into the tent, like tiptoeing. Through the she needs a sidekick. Where's her max? Oh, uh, you'll see. <laughs> that is true, isn't it? <laughs> Peyton. Peyton wrote, she was on her way out when she heard Cindy Lou Who, I mean Lucian, telling someone to back off. <laughs> Ianthe was trying to force herself on him again. She had shackled him to a damn tree. Vera approached, insisting that she stop. Ianthe told her she was only playing games. Baylor <laughs> was like, you can play this bitch. Vera <laughs> reached into her mind where she saw all the men Ianthe had forced herself on. Thera ordered her to unshackle Lucian. She forced Ianthe to her knees, directing her to pick up a rock and smash her hand with it until told to stop. Thera told Ianthe she was never to touch another male without their consent and this hand would be a reminder. Eventually, Thera told her to stop and then sit there until someone found her. Lucian stood back in shock. Behind Thera, a female voice spoke to him, saying the word he was looking for was Daimati. It was Branna. All right. Do y'all think that Ferris just ruining the spring court, like with all these dastardly deeds, or is she just showing everybody the problems that were that are in it? Like, I mean, both ways is to lead to its downfall. I mean, I it's she, which spoiler said later that like they making it out like it's this evil mastermind that's like she's doing all this stuff. She's just showing them what yeah. is really going on. Like just speeding even up if the I process. And the thing with the Naga and keys hadn't have happened. Hamlet doesn't pay attention. Yeah. So, is still, like, a selfish bitch. Like, we can't control that. They literally sided with Highburn. Like, y'all, be right through it. I mean, I think she's about ruining the Spring Corps, but I don't think she's about necessarily ruining all the people in it. Mm -hmm. No, I don't think that. I'm saying, like, they act like she did all these terrible things to them when really and truly she just showed them who the people running the Spring Court really were. Who's saying that she did all these terrible things, though? Well, I mean, like, later on. Like um, they're like, she didn't oh, actually really uh, do much of anything though. Oh, they're like, you're a spy. You did so good. Like, Reese is like it's a little push or shove here. But she didn't actually really do. Mm -mm, she just showed them who they anything. were. I did make notes. I mean, I made it in reference to her whole thing with Ianthe just then. How much like she's learned from Reese? Because you think of him with uh Moore's dad. What's mm -hmm. his name? Kira in the the Court of Nightmares and how I like her, but yeah, like it was the same kind of thing where he like broke his yeah. arm or whatever like she learned that but also she learned like the whole like slight manipulation doing these very little things to just like cause this domino effect yeah like she learned all that 
from him. Yeah, she did. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, putting on the whole facade, obviously. Mm-hmm. Who's got the real mask now? Tamlin. Yeah. yeah. That's it. That's it. Thank God. Two hours later. Um, yeah. So, you know, Renault has caught her, has figured out there is game, and we will see just how much has been figured out mm-hmm. in the next episode. So. That's it. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Let's Call It Nothing Pod, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.